1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I tend these days to use other translations, but I do love and appreciate the manner in which the translators of the King James Version worded these scriptures, and especially this special phrase here in verse 9 that describes those of us who are true believers in Christ as being a peculiar people. A peculiar people. Listen again to those words. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye may show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What do you suppose that God intends by the use of this phrase, a peculiar people? My thoughts go first to a busy city street filled with a a sea of people all walking shoulder to shoulder, scurrying along the sidewalks, determinedly fixed on getting to their workplace or some other destination. And their faces show this focused intention, most often ignoring all the other faces that they encounter. They're simply consumed with their own purpose. And yes, some might smile because that would be their personality perhaps. But others simply press on towards their goal. And then imagine yourself as being one of those people there in that sea of faces, scurrying along with them to your next appointment. To all those other people who pass you by, would you for any reason stand out as being peculiar? Would you attract any special attention? Or would they just pass you by without noticing? And what about God? What about God? What would His thoughts be about you? Would you appear to Him to be peculiar? It's with that thought that my mind goes to a song that I speak often about here, and that is the one by Bette Midler, From a Distance. From a Distance. That song wrongly pictures God, the one who created all the people of the earth and all the things of the earth, as simply standing off at a distance, watching and observing and taking in all the activities of the people, intervening only when asked, but otherwise just quietly watching us. Now again, Bette Midler had most all those concepts wrong about God. But God really is watching you and me. He really is ever so intimately observant. As we sing in the song moment by moment, God really is intimately observant, intimately aware, intimately involved in all that we do and all the things that are taking place within our daily lives. 
Now much has been said over time about this expression, peculiar people. And I recall a husband and wife ministry team by that name, the peculiar people, who visited French camp on occasion. And they ministered to our kids using skits and drama activities and such. And they were very enjoyable and very effective. To us in our modern manner of thinking, as we consider an expression like this, peculiar people, we envision people who have some form of oddity about them. If someone said to you, those people are peculiar, you would immediately think that there was an oddity about them, perhaps in the way they look or the way they act. In the dictionary, the most common definition of the word peculiar is odd. Odd, lacking conformity to normal. Odd. But listen, that would also be a very apt definition that would apply to these words. Listen to them again. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. While no, your face or my face would probably not stand out in that sea of people where we scurrying along the sidewalk with them. But we would still be very peculiar people. We would still be very peculiar people, though they would not be able to recognize it. And God, as he watches us, he would see also that we were a peculiar people. His peculiar people. In the days that the translators translated the words into the King James Version of the Bible, the word peculiar was most often used to refer to something that belonged to someone as with their property or other such things. And I like that definition. I also like a definition given by one of the commentators, and let me read that for you. The commentator said, In this verse, Peter is not saying that Christians are odd or unusual people, even though the world often looks at us that way. What this passage is communicating is that Christian believers are people who belong to God. They are his own possession. That's what peculiar was intended to mean. They are people who belong to God, his own possession. Another way of saying it is that believers are God's own special people. Commentator goes on to say, As we compare the different English translations of this verse and consider the alternative meanings of the word peculiar, It becomes clear that peculiar in this verse is referring to the fact that believers are a special people because they were chosen from before the foundations of the earth to be God's own possession. He goes on to say, Those who are born again are different from the world around them because they are being transformed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Also, they are different because having been born again by the Spirit of God and believing in Christ for salvation, they have received the right to become children of God. While it's true that believers are different, it is the believers standing as adopted children of God, joint heirs with Christ Jesus, and God's own special people that make us peculiar. In other words, yes, as God would watch us walking along with that group of people. Though our faces might look very much like theirs, He really can pick us out of that crowd. 
simply because we are His own blessed children, His own sons, and He would recognize us immediately. And so we see that as we read these other translations in of the Bible, such as the American Standard, New American Standard, and the New King James Version, they say that exactly. Now listen, the verse again, this in the New American Standard Version, but ye are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Instead of a peculiar people, that Translation renders it a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then the New King James Version renders it, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I do like all of those translations, and they are all very accurate. But may I say that I still do prefer and enjoy the wording of peculiar people. Peculiar people. And I really don't see it as being any form of mistranslation of God's intent uh, for those words. We truly are a people of God's own possession. But that does make us odd. It really does make us odd. How can you know that for sure? Count the number within the church today and then count all those possible empty pews. You're an odd group of people. You're a peculiar group of people. And while our special oddity might not stand out and be noticeable in amongst that sea of thousands of faces scurrying along a busy sidewalk, we are still very, very different from many of those that we would be walking along with. And no, we can't easily know the condition of their souls as we would pass by them at our rapid pace. But we can know for sure that unless the same thing that has taken place within our souls has taken place within their souls, they are not peculiar people. Those who are born again are different from the world around them because they're being transformed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what that commentator said a moment ago. So with that being said, how then could you and I be recognizable as a peculiar people? Odd. Different from those around us. And again, it's going to be difficult to recognize that within a busy crowd of people on a sidewalk. But listen, our difference really can begin to be observed as you and I step out of that busy sidewalk and into our place of work or into some other slower-paced encounter where relationships have time to develop. That's when your peculiarity will be able to be seen. And may I ask, will it be able to be seen? Or will you simply step into those relationships and look just like all those people who are walking by on the street. Listen again. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, 
that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, which they'll be able to see taking place, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now these people that the Apostle Peter was writing this letter to, they were Jews. And they were in amongst a whole sea of Gentile faces. And in some ways, those Jews might have actually looked a little bit odd or peculiar because the Jewish facial features are not always the same as the Gentiles. And they were also pilgrims and strangers within that land. They were within the land of what is now day called Turkey. So they were not Jews in amongst other Jews. They were Jews in amongst a Gentile. But listen, that kind of difference was not the difference that God was calling these believers to demonstrate. Both among their fellow Jews and especially among their Gentile neighbors. Listen, the peculiar difference that God wants His peculiar people to demonstrate is godliness. Godliness, godly character, godly behavior, godly conversation. As verse 12 tells us, they may by your good works, which they shall see, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You and I and all those Jewish believers that Peter was writing these words to are often the only Christ that our neighbors and that our co-workers and even some of our own family members will ever see. The only grace that they will ever experience. And we need to be careful to do our part rightly. Those words again. Verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest, among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. May I say that for many within that sea of faces on that busy city sidewalk, their character and their behavior make them all look exactly the same. This is a very broken world that we live in. Jesus described it in Luke 9.41 as a crooked and perverse generation. That's the normal that we live in. That's the normal in that busy street. That's the normal within the hearts and souls of most of those people scurrying on to their destinations. But listen, Ephesians 2 reminds us, you and me, that at one time you and I were also once a very willing part of this crooked and perverse generation. Listen to these words. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That was us. And folks, sometimes we might not feel like we're very far out of those dark woods even now. But we do need to be encouraged. If we have truly received Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we really are safely out of those woods. 
what now must take place is that we need to make sure that our witness and our testimony begins to show it. That we're different from that other life that we used to live there in that darkness. And it needs to be as God tells us here in in verse 12 that by our good works, by what we do differently than what we used to do, and by what we do differently by than those who are right next to us in our workplace, they'll be able to see us and our behavior, and they'll glorify God. You and I are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness, out of that darkness that we lived in before we came to know Him, into His marvelous light which in times past we were not a people, but now we are a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Folks, this is us. These words I just read. This is you and me. We were at that one time. We were not a special, peculiar people. Until I was 29 years old, I was simply one face in a sea of faces just trying desperately to forage my way through the crowd of all those people who were just like me. I was lost and dying just like all of them, caring only for myself, maybe a little bit for my family, but not much more. But then as verse 10 tells us, for some reason I obtained mercy, mercy from God. I don't know why He chose to reach in to that sea of wretched faces and draw me out of that crowd. I was doing nothing of worthwhile note to deserve it. Not at all. But that is that matchless wonder of grace. Grace is something that no one deserves or earns. It's freely given without cost or merit. And now, as verse 10 tells us, I am a peculiar person. I am a people of God. A very, very special son within His family. As God is telling us here in these words, it's my turn. Now it's my turn. He's saying to you, now it's your turn. We need to get about doing our part that He has called us to. And He says to us here in verse 11, abstain from those fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, among your friends, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Do you see what God is calling you and me to do here so that He can be glorified? If we behave like we used to, He will not be glorified. But He's calling us to a whole new behavior. And He doesn't mince words here. He doesn't leave us to wonder. He goes ahead here and makes it very clear. We are to abstain from the fleshly lusts that war against our soul. What's taking place within your soul most days? Fleshly lusts. What are fleshly lusts? Oh, let me tell you. They can be a whole number of things. Yes, they might involve immorality, but they also involve so many other things that we want or we want to be like or we want to believe or we want to tell everybody about fleshly lusts that war within our souls. Let me tell you, those are the same fleshly lusts 
that are common to all those unbelievers in that sea of people that are rushing along through life that you and I used to be a part of, but we are no longer a part of it. And he tells us here that we're to especially be watchful concerning our conversations, the conversations we engage in. What takes place in your conversations each day? It is so easy to get on the same rants that our unbelieving friends let fly out of their mouth, cursing our government leaders, complaining about our workplace, using foul and vulgar language, and on and on. Conversations that you and I should not be involved in. None of that is of God. None of that is a part of His personality or His character. And neither should it be a part of ours. That's what He's telling us here. He tells us what to do instead. Philippians 4, verse 8. Listen. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So then, may I ask you as we close, are you peculiar or do you still look a lot like some of your friends? Those old buddies that you used to hang out with when you lived in the darkness. Do you still blend in well with them when you meet with them? When you stand and talk with them? May I exhort you with all of my heart to surrender all that you are to Christ. That you might glorify Him. Yes, you may already be fully saved. Yes. But listen... We have this tendency to fall back into those same old habits when we get with those same old friends. You and I have a lot, lot further to go, and we need to get about it. So listen as I close. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which in times past were not a people, but now you are a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of His visitation. Let's pray.